The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. We are going to take you straight to the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court because the fugitive, Tabo Vesta, the Facebook rapist, the one who has captured the attention of the country, is currently in the dock in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court. Just to describe to you the scene there, he's wearing a mustard yellow coloured Nike tracksuit, uh, top and a bottom. He walked up the stairs from the holding cells. Uh, He did look around the room. There was the shutter of cameras uh, and then he put his head down between his legs to hide away from the cameras. He does have a, a short beard at the moment. His hair is quite lengthy and curly. He looks a bit unkempt. He's sitting in the dock staring at uh, the magistrate and at the prosecutor there is a furrow on his brow uh, he does look like he's shifting around quite a bit as he listens to the prosecutor a lot of very ho- uh, heavily armed officers standing around him to very close proximity as well as he leans his neck from one side to the other so let's dip in now and hear what's happening in the court in Bloemfontein as Tabo Bester that's the name we know him by now we'll speak more about that in a minute uh, but Tabo Bester is currently appearing and he's tapping his foot, listening to the magistrate and the prosecutor. Let's listen in. The government purports to be a decision from the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions is hereby received by this court and is marked as exhibit. Hey. As it is. God bless So while we listen there to the prosecutor and the magistrate discussing what's happening, Tabo Besta is sitting on the dock. It looks like his hands are, are next to him. He is looking around. Now he's looking straight at uh, at the camera. Um, there are, at least from what I can see, five very heavily armed correctional services officials, uh, very, very well armed um, in Vesta as well. Let's listen in here and see if we can get an update on what's happening. with his legal uh, representative. They're having a chat. I'm not sure exactly what that is about. Let's let's listen. I I had also received instructions earlier. I just confirmed it now. Your ship, the accused is at this stage legally represented. However, as indicated, this is a rather peculiar case actually. The accused would wish to address the court at least two points. Which are of concern. Hence, I'm bringing a formal application, however, it is from the court that he be given an opportunity to address the court, notwithstanding him being legally presented. You are not able to convey the same through. Hmm. You see, 
can't you take instructions and address the court? I can, Yoshi. Yes, you are the mouthpiece of the accused when you are in court. Yes. You may take instructions and address the court on the past. As a copy, Yes. So I know it's a bit difficult to hear. This is just the way it works in court sometimes. I know there's a lot of interference there. But what it seems is that Tabo Besta wants an opportunity to address the court. The way it works in court is you have a legal representative and that, as the magistrate says, is your mouthpiece when you are in court. Tabo Besta is now speaking to his lawyer, giving him instructions. It looks like he wants to address the court himself. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I'll keep an eye on that for you. I'm watching on the screen here and we'll go back to the court in Bloemfontein. If it so happens that Tabo Besta does get an opportunity to address the court, I suspect that that will be unlikely at this stage. It is highly unusual, but I'm watching that for you, Tabo Besta, in the dock at the moment in his mustard yellow colored Nike tracksuit. I think uh, Dr. Nandi was wearing a Nike jumper yesterday as well. So uh, as one person uh, very wryly remarked on Twitter, uh, maybe Nike has replaced uh, Uzi as uh, the, the the clothing of choice when people are in the dock. Uh, so I'm watching that for you, Tabo Besta appearing there, shifting around. His lawyer is addressing the court as well. So that is the one aspect of the story we are following. The other is the briefing today from Aaron Mutsuledi, the Home Affairs Minister, giving an extensive briefing today, updating the nation on uh, all of the Home Affairs-related aspects and pretty astonishing information coming out today. Uh, Mutsuledi saying that there is no record of Tabo Besta in the National Population Register. There was no record of any visa, uh, no record of him uh, as an asylum seeker or in the refugee database at all. The man was a ghost. Have a listen. I will never register with any home affairs at any stage. So the only place where you could find him, as police said, was in correctional services when he was an inmate. That's where you'll find this fingerprint and photo but also in the South African Police Services uh, crime, crime data. That's where you'll find this fingerprint and photo. Otherwise, in terms of re- registration, in the civil manner, the only other place where you could find Tabo Bester is Chris Hanibaragwanath Hospital. The, th- the records that are now 37 years old. So as we have said, because Tabo never took an ID, never got married, never took a passport in home affairs. He simply did not exist in our systems. So he doesn't have a passport at all. There's a story that he has got multiple passports. Tabo doesn't have any passport with home affairs. The passport he was found carrying in Tanzania appears to be an American passport. I've got a copy of it here. In the name of Tom Williams Kelly. Whether real, defrauded or forged, we can't tell because we don't have American systems. But he never purported or showed any passport, which he said he got from us, because we never gave him any. Now, that passport, in the name of Tom Williams Kelly, it never crossed any border at any official port of entry, whether air, sea, or land. There's no indication that that passport was ever used. So we don't know why he was carrying it, but he never used it at any one time. So that's the, that's the issue of Tabo Bester. 
how remarkable is that? That Tabo Besta, even the fact that he was convicted, he was serving time in prison, there was still no record of him on, on the database. He, he had no ID number. It's pretty astonishing. And then Aaron Mutsuledi also speaking about how uh, Home Affairs became involved in this. Now, only became involved in it when Tabo Besta actually escaped and they realized he could have fled the country. Listen in. And when did we become aware that they've skipped the country? No. We couldn't become aware. We had no interest as home affairs to, to Bester and Nanji, but they, they, they were of no importance to us. They were, we didn't even know about them, I must tell you, until this story broke out about them escaping, because there was no reason for home affairs to know anything about them. So that such people have left the border, we wouldn't have known. We usually know about people who have crossed the border if they are V-listed. It's called V-listing, ne? If in home affairs we have got a suspicion about the criminal activities, about somebody who might cross the border, we V-list them. So that when they arrive there with a, with a passport, if they don't arrive with a passport, they just cross illegally, somewhere cr- jumping a fence. That V-listing won't even help. So we never V-listed them. There was absolutely no reason to do so. Unless police did come to us and say these people are in jail, we suspect that one day they'll cross the border. I mean, Tabo was sentenced for life. So if police came and said, we suspect one day you'll escape and cross the border, we would have got interest in them, but we never had any interest. Dr. Aaron Motsuledi speaking at that briefing. Uh, we're about to speak to our reporter who was at that briefing. I want to give you a quick update on what's happening in the magistrate's court because, as I told you earlier, Tabo Besta had uh, asked for permission to address the court. That request to address the court has now been denied. So he's not going to be given the opportunity. You can see he's he's mumbling, he's frustrated, uh, he seems annoyed by this decision. Um, they have actually showed a visual now of his feet as well and um, the fact that he is in a proper... Uh, leg cuffs, uh, very heavily locked as well. His arms are also in cuffs. Um, he looks uh, very frustrated with this decision. I'll keep an eye on that for you as we continue the conversation. So let's go to Oren Singh, EWN senior reporter, who was at that briefing with the Home Affairs Minister today. Oren, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, as as we played in that audio there from Oren Watswiledi, it's pretty amazing the fact that there was no real record of Tabo Besta uh, on our databases. Absolutely, Maddie. Um, yeah, I think amazing and astonishing and, and quite embarrassing. Um, you know, the fact that we have a convicted murderer and rapist um, who's convicted and sentenced in our country but has got no sort of identification. But, you know, Minister Aaron Mortaledi says it's, no, it's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, there are a lot of, of, of convicted uh, people who go to, who are convicted to imprisonment who don't have any sort of records on the system. And um, he said, look, in trying to track down Tabo Besta from their side of home affairs, obviously they went about their, their, their normal procedures. And he explained and, and broke down the, the different type of registers we have in South Africa in terms of the home affairs system. And there's three sort of registers. You have the National Population Register, the National Immigration Information System, and the Visa Identification System. All three of those systems, when they scanned it, did not come up with any sort of details regarding a table Besta. He made reference to, you know, on the National Population Regist- Register, and that's, that's the main register for South Africans in terms of issuing out birth certificates, death certificates, marriage certificates, IDs, and passports. 
mentioned that they did come across two Tabo besters in South Africa. One was 19 and the other one was 40. And he, he, he said that the, 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 the Tabo best who was 40 years old had actually been traced to Heidelberg and had already presented himself to the police saying that, look, this, I am a Tabo bester, but I'm not the Tabo bester you're looking for. So quite, quite interesting that the only way they were able to establish that Tabo bester was in fact born in South Africa was when they tracked down his mother. Now, Maria Mabasso, who we had spoken to last week, Mandy, had made it clear to us that she had given birth to Tabo at the Chris Hani Baragunath Hospital. Um, and Dr. Armotoledi said that after Home Affairs official went and sat down with her and interviewed her, they kind of got details into what happened. Now, Tabo had taken his, grand, his great-grandmother's surname. She was actually born and registered a bester. Tabo's grandmother, who basically looked after him for the majority of his, his, young, um, his young life, um, was not a bester herself. She had another surname. And, and Tabo's mother is born, it was, was, was not a bester either. She was a Mabaso. She had taken her aunt's surname after she had a fallout with her mother over Tabo. So it was quite a complicated thing. But Dr. Aaron Mozzoletti said that um, Tabo's mother had not gone and registered him um, after his birth due to the fact that at the time she had been working as a domestic worker and she was not afforded time to go and actually register Tabo at the, at the Home Affairs office. But nevertheless, we know that Tabo is an undocumented person in South Africa and yet he was still convicted and sentenced and imprisoned. Oren, thank you. I mean, that's a very much a South African story, that explanation for why he, he wasn't registered. Oren Singh, EWN senior reporter, giving us an update there on that briefing from Aaron Motsuledi. One of the other issues there is also around Dr. Pashi. So that's Dr. Mareka and Chani, because um, there was a statement saying that she is seeking legal advice on allegations that uh, Dr. Nandipa Magudamana had assumed her identity. Dr. Uh, Dr. Aaron Motsuledi speaking about that a bit earlier on today, saying that, in fact, there were two passports. So uh, Dr. Pashi lost a passport. That passport was found in Dr. Um, Magudamana's possession. And then a second passport that was, that was issued three years later was also found in her possession. So lots of questions there as well. Let's go back to the court because Tabo Bester has been complaining about his safety through his lawyer, raising concerns about his safety, saying that he's not eaten food at the correctional facility. He is scared to do so. The prosecution saying they're surprised by this because Tabo Bester has been eating food in jail for the last eight years. Let's have a, a quick listen in to what's happening. All due respect, that's a very general concern. That's not the fact that she hasn't eaten for more than 24 hours, well, that's none of the cause. <coughs> Interesting. However, the, the, the safety issue, and I just say further arrangements to be made. I'm not saying this court make rulings regarding what arrangements to be made, but I, I, I will say I, I will be guided by this court. Just a quick sense of what's happening. They are discussing the fact that uh, Tabo Bester says he feels unsafe and he won't eat the food and he hasn't eaten the food because he's concerned about being poisoned.
Let's get some analysis on this now. We're going to speak to a legal analyst and to a criminologist about the developments over the past couple of days around Tabo Besta. Firstly, Mpumalelo Zikalala, legal analyst, joining us now. Mpumalelo, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. There's lots of different angles to look at here. We've got Tabo Besta appearing in court today, uh, the charges there. Um, but I'm interested in what we saw happening before Parliament yesterday. Uh, the Justice Minister speaking, the Police Minister speaking as well. Um, and the sense that, that our criminal justice system has very much been exposed by the Tabo Besta story. It's almost a, a symptom of a much greater problem. Definitely. Good afternoon to and also to our listeners. And it, it seems that it's a problem of, of accountability. It's a problem of contract management between the government and G4S. It's a problem of saying that what consequences should apply if someone is failed to perform their duties as a service provider. But most of the, the, the security of us as members of the public, how then do you ensure that the person who's been incarcerated will not go out of jail and be able to go and be able to roam around? And in instances in which they do so, how quickly can we then come back and say we've apprehended this particular individual? Another surprising thing is it's a person of saying you have a convicted criminal who is within your prison but, not, but does not have an identity document or something in which they are identified by, of which by what you are hearing in the media now is definitely one of the defenses in which Mr. Best is going to come up with and say, prove to me that I'm the real individual that you are looking for. If you don't have any record, how sure are you that I'm the real person that you are looking for? I may be innocent or may not be the individual that you are referring to, unless there is clear DNA evidence that proves that really you have got the right person. But the question would be, why didn't you document him earlier? Why, why are you waiting for, for, for so long in order for him to be documented and to have a, to have a, a proper South African ID or even be a citizen in that case? And in Pumalela, we're now seeing him in the dock. Um, we are seeing him being charged. How important is this? Because in many ways, our criminal justice system will now be on trial again. Definitely. It's, it's, it's super important because it then means how effective is the Correctional Services Act in terms of the offences that are there, but in also in the additional acts that are there, like your perjury, obstruction, the heads of justice, maybe instances of murder and being an accomplice if we were to add them. But I think for me, it's the concentration of saying, I want to look at the high echelons. You could not have achieved this on your own. You've got to have received assistance from someone. So show us those individuals so that you're able to hold them accountable. If you are one of the individuals that would have, could have escaped prison, how many other type of prisoners do we have that have not been detected? Or even some who would go out of prison, go and commit more crimes and come back, hence having a valid alibi that I was in prison at the time of the commitment of this case or these events. So I'm not the, the individual that you're looking for. Hence not being able to bring anyone to book for any injustices that have taken place. So... It's a greater thing of saying that let's not look at Tabo Besta as the FKP. Let's just look at how our government is actually treating these matters. Are there any other prison officials that we should hold accountable? What did they, 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 they act in? They may even find or may even find solutions or answers to those unsolved cases that we have. Mpumalelo, thank you very much. Mpumalelo Zikalala, legal analyst, speaking to us there. Uh, inside the courtroom, Tabo Besta has just stood up. He's been escorted out towards the stairs down to the holding cells and then brought back 
again uh, to sit down. So there's been some activity there. Well, let's take another bite at this with uh, UKZN criminologist, Professor Nirmala Gopal. And Prof, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. As I'm watching Tabo Best and now being led down to the holding cells, he's raised concerns around the fact that he could be poisoned in prison. This is a man who clearly knows the system well. He's very aware of what his rights are in the court. He's asked for an opportunity to address the court as well. Um, and there's so much to, to learn from his conduct and his psyche um, and, and the way that he's thinking about this appearance today. Good afternoon, uh, Mandy, and good afternoon to your listeners. Yeah, I think I'd like to start by saying, you know, we've heard repeatedly now that um, uh, Tabo Besta is manipulative and he knows exactly how to play his cards. And the fact that he now says he's, there's a fear, he has the fear of being poisoned, I think it's just one of the, another card that he's playing. In addition to that, I think the fact that there's so much of media hype um, on his particular case is also giving him some leverage. And I think like the previous analyst mentioned, uh, him and his lawyer are going to use every possible loophole to try and get him um, uh, you know, to try and get him the least possible sentence or to try and get him off the hook. Uh, as I was saying to Mpumalelo, this very much uh, does uh, give us insight into the South African criminal justice system. Um, and uh, I, I think that that is, is very important, the way that this has almost uh, shone a spotlight onto how justice is, uh, is delivered and or not delivered in this country. No, absolutely, uh, Mandy. I think, you know, these are the kind of narratives that criminologists, policymakers, employees within the criminal justice system, the public at large have been complaining about over perhaps the last two decades. And I think you rightfully have said that this is a symptom of of a larger problem that exists within the criminal justice system, including the Department of Correctional Services. And I think having watched this unfold, it, for me, what it, the message that it sent is that it, there was going to be a time when this was going to bust. You know, the information of the corruption or the corrupt activities and, um, you know, the, the, um, the deception, um, et cetera, was going to explode at some time. And I think, unfortunately, it was Tabo Besta who was uh, who became the scapegoat because he is um, he is part he is one part of the bigger problem. Mm. Prof, thank you very much, Professor Nirmala Gopal, criminologist at the University of KZN, giving us some analysis there. So I can tell you that this case has now been postponed to the 16th of May, Tabo Besta appearing in court. Um, a bail application has been abandoned according to some reports there. I'm not sure why there would be a bail application because he uh, should just be in custody considering that he escaped from custody unless he says he's not who he says he is. Um, but uh, also concerns raised by Tabo Besta that he is concerned over his safety in custody, that he hasn't been eating um, because he's worried about being poisoned. But this case has now been postponed to the 16th of May. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations.
Hi, Mindy. Uh, you're a star. I like the way you explain things in court uh, regarding Bester. I really, yo, it's like I'm watching TV eh, and I'm in a car driving from work. Lazarus and for Slorus. Hello, Mandy. Uh, it's Alice. Hello, Mandy. Uh, it's Alistair and I'm Wandy here. Uh, always love your show. Uh, good work. Um, on the Tab of Esther uh, situation, I would not be surprised if he gets uh, taken out because uh, he probably has like way too much information for his own good. And a lot of people are probably very nervous about what he knows. Uh, so I think we'll watch with interest to see what happens to him. Okay. Take care. Have a good Friday. Bye. I'm Mandy and the listeners of... I'm Andy and the listeners of 702. Yo, such a shock from the Correctional Services Department. How did they accept an inmate without an identity document? Or a particular ID? Who did they call him? What was his date of birth? What was his ID number? Yo, such a shock. And the Home Affairs Department as well. So let's to go to Roma Johannesburg. Thank you so much for those WhatsApp voice notes. Sorry about the little technical glitch. You got to listen to some of those uh, twice because they're so good. Um, so uh, <laughs> this this case is, is just unbelievable. Um, it really is. And I think people are really forming opinions around this about the fact that there was no ID document um, and that we didn't really know who he was and, and there was no record of him. But we do have this court appearance now, the case postponed to the 16th of May. We're going to go straight to our reporter, Homotso Medise, uh, who is in court for us. Homotso Good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. I know that things are chaotic there. The lawyers are busy speaking as well. So just give us a sense of what the atmosphere has been like. Mandy, I think I should take you straight to the lawyers who are speaking right now. Abu Kapila is representing the Tabo and he's here right now. Let's take a listen to what he has Get all the documents that you want. Do not trust that the police will give you all the documents that you want as, as required by the law. Not every accused employee is entitled to the document. I think Mr. Kapiti is outlining everything with Mr. Tabodesta. So why, why are you asking for those documents now when you can get them at a later stage? No, Mr. Kapiti is asking for them now as the instruction of the client. However, if those documents are going to be used during the trial, they will be discovered once the investigation is complete. Mr. Kapiti was only conveying the request of the, of the client. And like you said, the court didn't entertain that because this matter is going to go to high court. The investigations will have to be completed once completed. The legal team will be finished with the particular. What's the logic behind having you or wanting to appear, wanting Tabo Besta to appear here sooner than a month's time? We've heard from the state that this this investigation is going to take longer than a month. Why do you want to come here sooner than that? Like I said earlier, uh, Mr. Gapiri brought that as the request of of of, of Mr. Besta. And as Mr. Gapiri has indicated in, in the court, it was around the safety measures, including food and and that at the end of the day, when you uh, uh, media were interviewing him, he said he's receiving the comment. So for now, uh, I'll say that matter is neither here nor there because the court. Mandy, that is the lawyer for Tabo Besta. It's Advocate Bella. He's been uh, answering questions from the media around the concerns that were raised in this particular courtroom from Mr. Kapiri, who is the attorney representing Tabo Besta. One of the issues that was raised is that he hasn't received a meal in over 24 hours since he was extradited and brought onto South African soil at Lanseria Airport. And so they've been saying, you know, correctional services need to do something about that. 
But another issue that was raised, Mandy, is the issue around how Besta is challenging or questioning the legitimacy of his extradition documents. He says he hasn't seen those documents and he wants to see them before he can continue with the matter. So that was heard today. Um, and we heard from uh, the magistrate, Khadisi, who was not going to entertain that, Mandy, saying there was no need for them to raise that here. They should raise that with the powers that be. Khwato, thank you so much for bringing us that impromptu uh, press conference from the lawyer. It really gave us a sense of, of what's developing in the courtroom. Um, I was interested watching Tabo Besta, how confident he felt about giving instructions to his lawyer, how familiar he was with the court environment. Uh, this is a man who clearly understands how the court system works. That's right. I mean, he even, you know, wanted to an opportunity to address the court himself. We heard from his lawyer, um, attorney Kapiti, who said, you know, some of what he's raising here, including the issues around the meal and the, including the issues around the exhibition documents, are issues that he wanted to raise himself in this particular court. So it does seem that Becca is very familiar with the space, so he, you know, this is nothing new for him. And, and I think he understands how the processes here in court work. And I think that's why he even wanted to raise the issue around wanting to appear here sooner. You know, we heard from Kapiti that, um, he should not be treated differently to any other accused, saying he deserves a speedy trial like any other person. But then we heard from um, you know, the, the state repre- uh, representative, Mr. Uh, the advocate who said that you know, this is already um, a convicted criminal. He's already serving a life sentence. He's already an inmate. And so there's no need for him to appear here with all the other people that or he's co-accused. And so you know, we heard then from the state that put in the request, Mandy, that Bester should only return in May and that the others should then return on Monday, as you know, for their possible bail application. Khomoto, thank you. Outstanding job uh, in court. Khomoto Modise, EWN reporter in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court, telling us what happened. Uh, also bringing us that impromptu press conference uh, with uh, with his legal representative. So uh, that's where we're going to leave this Tabo Besta matter for now. The matter has been postponed to the 16th of May. He is concerned about being poisoned. He wants his legal team to bring him food. He hasn't eaten in 24 hours. Lots of development around this and lots of WhatsApp voice notes coming in too. The Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. If Tabu Besta has raised concerns about being poisoned, surely that's an admission of guilt. Because he's kind of saying that people who've kind of helped him are going to be exposed. Why Why would someone want to poison him if he's not implicating other people in his escape? Sure, Mandy. Um, thank you so much. I'm currently driving right now. I'm listening to the radio. I'm re- listening to your reporting and, um, you know, you narrating the um, court proceedings. Um, sure, you, you're amazing. It's like I'm watching TV. Um, thank you so much. I can see it. I can picture it. Well done. Amazing. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Uh, years and years of experience sitting on the hard wooden benches of the South Gauteng High Court uh, will do that to you. I've had far too much experience describing things from uh, from the public gallery in in court. So thank you very much. Appreciate all those WhatsApp voice notes. The midday report.
So we're moving on from Tabo Besta, but we're staying in the courts because we've been updating you all week on this, the Zimbabwean exemption permit program being challenged in court. Uh, the Helen Sussman Foundation has brought an application. Various other parties have also brought applications as well. Bernadette Wicks has been following this all week for us. Uh, Bernadette, good afternoon to you. Uh, what is happening today? And, and maybe if you can just give us a sense of where we are hearing the third and final application that's that's being heard this week um, in the Pretoria High Court and that application has been bought by the Zimbabwean Exemption Permit Holders Association. Um, the application, it's taken a bit of time to really get into the merits of it. There seems to be a bit of a, a technical problem with the um, with the papers. The applicants are looking to amend the original notice of motion, and there seems to be an objection from the state um, on that level. They want to they want to include a declarator that would essentially declare that everyone with a ZDP. Um, would be entitled to apply for permanent residency. Um, and, and that, that addition to the relief is being, is being uh, objected to. So we're still kind of ironing out those technical issues, but essentially their arguments follow very closely the arguments that we've heard earlier this week from the Helen Sussman Foundation and the Zimbabwe Immigration Federation. Um, they say that the decision to discontinue the ZDP program was unlawful. Um, they say that, uh, the Department of Home Affairs doesn't have the power to prevent anyone from applying for permanent residency if they want. Um, they also say the decision was irrational. They make various points here. One of them is that they say that the move seems to be um, as positioned as something to conserve South Africa's resources and, and ignores the fact that people who have been living in this country under the ZDP program for 10, 12, 14 years um, have contributed to the building of, of South Africa's economy. They say the decision is unreasonable. They talk about the prejudice to ZDP holders and to ZDP holders' children, um, to to their investments in the country. They say it puts this at risk. Um, and, and then they also talk about the public participation issue, which has been a common thread during this week. Essentially, they say there was no real public participation that took place. And because of the nature of this decision, um, ZDP holders and the public at large needed to be consulted. Bernadette, thank you. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on this matter. It's been heard uh, all week, the challenge uh, to the decision by the government to scrap the Zimbabwean exemption permit program. The Midday Report. To Parliament now and the uh, Section 194 inquiry into public protector, Advocate Busisiwem Kwebane's fitness to hold office. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, is there for us. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, a presentation today from evidence leaders on evidence before the committee. What have they been hearing? Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, well, not very much uh, riveting coming out of today's um, committee meeting. They are sitting as a committee rather as than an inquiry, as you know, because of this issue of the legal fees for Busisiu and Kobani still, uh, Mandy, unresolved. The chairperson giving an indication when proceedings started this morning that he might deal with such matters before the end of the day. But really what we have is the evidence leaders taking uh, MPs through the reports uh, that relate and the judgments that relate to the uh, public protector's investigation on that SARS so-called road unit, going through the Nugent Commission of Inquiry, the Sikakani report, uh, and other documents really to um, put uh, a a record, if you will, of 
um, information that is before MPs to give them some kind of understanding of what they've heard in terms of the evidence from the public protector and what is actually in black and white before their mandate. Lindsay, thank you for that update. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, giving us a, a quick update there on that Section 194 inquiry into public protector advocate Busisiwa Mkwembane's fitness to hold office. The Midday Report. The Minister of Transport, Sindisiwe Chigunga, today releasing the Easter Road traffic statistics. Uh, South Africa losing 225 lives across the country over the Easter long weekend. That number never ceases to shock me when we hear just how many people die on our roads. And I did an interview with the transport minister in the days leading up to the Easter weekend, appealing to people and telling me about measures in place, but still such a big number. Let's have a quick listen uh, to what the minister, Cindy Siwe Chukunga, said earlier. Ladies and gentlemen, Allow me to express my profound disappointment and displeasure at the high rate of crashes and fatalities experienced during this Easter long weekend. The total number of fatal crashes this year is 185, resulting in 225 fatalities, as opposed to the same period of the previous year when we recorded 135 fatal crashes that resulted in 161 fatalities. The statistics on gender classification shows that there was a decrease in female fatalities from 28% in 2022 to 19% in 2023, and male fatalities increased from 67% in 2022 to 70% in 2023. Most of these young aspiring professionals whose careers were beginning to shine perished on our roads. They possess the skills that are needed to grow our country's economy and to reduce poverty, inequality and underdevelopment. An increase in fatalities was also recorded in all provinces except for the three provinces that is Mpumalanga, Western Cape and Northwest. And we really want to congratulate these provinces that is the Minister of Transport, Sidney Siwe Chikunga. 225 lives that were lost over the Easter, uh, Easter weekend. Drastic increase from the 161 deaths over the same period last year. Watching that for us is Ndaedzo Netonje, EWN senior reporter. Ndaedzo, uh, that, that is a big increase. 225 up from 161. We say it like they are numbers, but these are people that have lost their lives. Yeah, good afternoon, Mandy. Yeah, 59 more than uh, last year's figure. And um, raising concerns there on whether or not um, the Department of Transport has done enough in order to curb this road fatalities. But the Minister uh, Chikunga there saying that most of this um, uh, 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 crashes that have happened on the road, uh, uh, fatal crashes, Mandy, it's due to human uh, 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 error. So issues around not uh, fastening your seatbelts, drunken driving, reckless and negligent driving, um, driving cars that are not roadworthy. Um, those, uh, she says, contributed nine, almost oh, 96% of the road fatalities. And what is also concerning is the fact that 44% of the people that died on the roads were pedestrians and only just above 26% were the drivers of the vehicles uh, that were involved in those fatalities. So 
really, really concerning. And um, Minister also going uh, further by saying that it does make it difficult for um, South Africa mm-hmm. to, to, to meet that uh, United Nations Global Road Safety Campaign to reduce carnages in half by 2030. Ndaito, thank you very much. Ndaito Netonje, EWN senior reporter at that briefing. And that number just, as I said, never ceases to, to shock me. How many people die on our roads over the Easter weekend? The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.